Hey pals, welcome to Team Up Moves. I'm Fiona. And I'm Stephanie. And this is the podcast where we play superhero-themed role-playing games and then talk about them. Yeah, so we've got a new run. It's a new run for the new year. Happy New Year, Steph. How, how you been? I've been pretty good, honestly. A lot going on in a good way. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a full year of playing superhero role-playing games with you and then talking about them with you and others because we got some good guests lined up this year. We are bringing amazing new talent to New Arcadia and to its adjacent urban areas in perhaps other Earths. So let's let's get into that. What are we what are we going to be playing for this run for our seventh run? We are playing a game called City of Shining Stars created by Aaron Lim, L I M, and it's an odd one if you're used to older game formats with lots of dice and lots of characters because it is a GM-less game and it is a story-building, universe-building, world-building game in which all of the real-life human players occupy the positions of writers and other comics creators. We are together creating a world and a place and a timeline and lots of characters who have adventures in that timeline and we're all thinking like writers. Yeah, this is great. This is a world-building superhero game and it is built off of a deck of playing cards, just, you know, normal 52 cards plus some jokers. And the way it works is that we are going to first start off kind of seeding the city with some answers to setting questions and that kind of thing. And also starting to build up a list of NPCs who live there. Each rank, so each number of card in the deck, is going to start to become associated with a different person. Then once the play kind of gets underway properly, we're going to be going in rounds. And the first player each round is going to take the top card of the deck. And what number on that card is going to tell them who is the important character in an event that's happening in the city. Then the suit of the card kind of dictates what scope from a personal event to something that's worldwide or even interplanetary or interdimensional. Once the first player has kind of established something that's going on, the rest of us will also draw cards with those numbers on them and start adding other folks either into this event or having parallel events of their own. Once we've all gone around the table, we're going to draw one more card. And that's going to say what the outcome is for this event, whether it's exceedingly positive, negative, or if there's some other mixed complications that come up. We play until we hit a joker, and then that's going to end the age of the city, and we talk about a big crisis that brings everyone together, but also leaves the place indelibly changed for the next generation. Nothing will ever be the same. It will not be the same. And... We have an amazing guest who came to play this with us. I'm sure you already know him, but you're going to meet him in just a little bit. So I think with that, Steph, are we ready to go? We are so ready. All right, let's go to the tape. All right, Stephanie, it is a new run. It's a new year. It's a new game. Are you ready for this? I am so ready. That is good. Normally, I would try to put in more banter, but I am. I just need to get to this intro. I need to introduce our guest. He is a podcaster. You know him from Party of One, All My Fantasy Children, and Talking Nog. He is a game designer. You know him from Anyone Can Wear the Mask, which we played in our very first run on this show. I am so pleased to welcome to Team Up Moves, Jeff Stormer. Jeff, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. I am excited. I have been looking forward to this recording. I've listened to the show since that first episode. I am a big fan, so I am excited to be sitting down here today. My heart. This is true Team Up. I love this. So we are playing a world-building superhero game, and let me tell you, Jeff, you are top of the list for people that I want to be playing world-building superhero games with. I appreciate that. It is it the, the, this and this game in particular was one that uh, I, I foisted upon upon the both of you. I was like, this is the game that is this is the game that I love. It hits on the things that I really like in superhero stories and as a world-building thing. There's a lot that I love about it, and I can't wait to sit down and really play through it. All right. Well, we are going to get to that. Now, this show does actually have a city, New Arcadia, and 
in many ways, the genesis from this is the some of the excellent work that Cece did playing New Arcadia for Anyone Can Wear the Mask. So when it comes to doing a world-building game about a city, my pitch is like, we kind of have New Arcadia and don't necessarily want to be trying to shoehorn what we're playing today into its continuity for sort of the extent that it is. So I've got a pitch. Pitch. I was reading this article in The New Yorker about superheroes and metaverses and alternate universes. Should we should we link the article in the the show notes? Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea, Steph. Do you think do you think you want you want people to know about your article? I do, yeah. Yeah. What I want to do is I want to make the alternate universe or perhaps one of the alternate universe versions of New Arcadia. So this is Continuity-wise, pretty much a clean slate. There might be a couple places where there have been incursions that you've already heard on the show, but overall, we kind of have a, a, a fresh canvas, and this will allow us to have free reign, and then also is something that maybe in future episodes, you know, superheroes always go and jump in between universes. Yes. Does that mean that we can think about whether parallel institutions or similar neighborhoods end up? Showing up in the modern age, maybe? If if that's the way things move you, I'm not going to stop you. Also, an uh, important question. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page, because mm-hmm. I feel like it's not based on the description, but this is not the everyone is a cowboy universe. Not all characters are wearing cowboy hats at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Have the evil mustaches. Yeah, no. I, 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 I will begrudgingly accept that this is not the we're all dinosaurs universe or one of the one of one of those multiverses. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens after the first crisis. Who knows? Is that Excalibur 41? Uh, that sounds like something for the back issues. I don't know. It does. Yeah. So we're going to start out City of Shining Stars. And we kind of agreed beforehand that our golden age is going to start around the turn of the 20th century. And we are in Northeast America-ish. And again, alternate universe. So there can be other alternate elements that that might come up if we like. But the way the game starts is to, uh, in the words of the rules, define the shape of the city. And so we're going to be drawing cards the way we will throughout all of this game and answer some prompts uh, to just sort of get some of the landscapes and some of the other other loose contexts of this. So, Jeff, you're our guest. Would you like to draw the first card? Absolutely. I will draw the first card. I'm going to pull it right here onto the play space. We have the two of diamonds as our first card. And the question two, what is a major constructed landmark associated with the city? I think um, the the major constructed landmark is... There is a very experimental statue garden in the city itself. Like the statues change as it goes because it is a it is it has been like a place where like art installations have existed. But like as like it is just a a place for artists to make their art. It is a very strange visual because it is a place that constantly changes and that art kind of bleeds out into the neighborhood streets around it. But there is this big, beautiful collection of statues that changes, which brings you back to this garden again and again and again. It is a very strange visual, but it is one that brings a lot of joy and art to the town itself. And it's something that the town is really known for. Just so I have a a picture of this, are you saying changing like they replace the statues or changing like the statues change as you are there? I was thinking that they changed the statues we're going to go with they change the statues like periodically, but I'm not going to rule out the I'm not ruling out the option. And there are definitely people that have claimed that the statues change and move while you walk among the garden. <laughs> and uh, we'll see if that turns out to be true. That's great. I love it. All right, Steph, do you want to draw the next card? I do. Ooh. OK. Seven of Hearts, which area is the cultural hub of this city? So the cultural hub of this city in the golden age is a pair of hills with a kind of pond between them. And on one hill is the design school, which is new. Mm -hmm. And the design school is this beautiful late Victorian, tons of colored bricks and gingerbread thing that is a hub of magazine illustrations, some of which might come to life or make connections with the realm of fairy 
there's a rumor that that some of the students and teachers at uh, the 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 new design the school of new design known as sand stuff happens with what they draw and make and the other hill is where the artists and designers and starting to be some musicians live and that's where you would go if you moved to the city to make your life in art and design and music. Uh, it's known right now as the Two Hills District. All right, so noting that down. I realize in my uh, excitement to get going, we have not named this city yet. And actually the game is asking for a old name and a new name. For the new name, I would like to go with New Olympia, kind of keeping slightly with a alternate universe name. Mm-hmm. But do you have any pitches for an old name? And we could do that now or, or maybe after we've developed all of these landmarks. I have a pitch that throws that new name in a very specific direction. There's a there's a dangling thread in the name New Olympia that I think is very compelling, especially if we're looking at this city over the course of 100 to 150 years, mm-hmm. which is if the old name is Olympia, then it means that New Olympia takes on a much different and much more dramatic. And uh, there's a tension to that name, New Olympia, as it becomes the new name of the city <laughs> that I think is very, very compelling for a superhero story. I'm into it. So the city is just named Olympia. In the golden age. And then at some point, something facilitates them having to be like, this is new Olympia. (laughs) I like that. I love it. Yeah. Can we name the design school? I was thinking sand. I think it's just the school of new design. School of new design? Yeah. No one knows why there's an A instead of an O. Yeah. All right. I get a card now. Yes. I got an ace. Oh, good. What is a major natural landmark near or within the city? Some examples, sea, river, mountain, canyon. And I was hoping to get this question, actually. I did not stack the deck. Because the within the city is very compelling to me. And I like Canyon. I think that there is something, um, maybe a dried up river or some other element, a quarry, that kind of thing. But there is a very hard to hard to traverse landscape literally in the middle of the city. And, you know, it, it, it maybe ends up dividing it into two or, or three separate locations and sort of the area. But I want people contending with a thousand foot drop on occasion. Yes. Strong Ithaca, New York vibes. <laughs> so we go around and do this twice. So Jeff, why don't you do another card? I have the nine of spades. The nine is where do the rich and privileged live and how do they set themselves apart from others? The rich and privileged in Olympia, they live, let me think about this for a moment, trying to decide what is aesthetically the most eminently hateable, like immediately hateable (laughs) option for like where the the rich and powerful live. I think it is, sorry, describe this, 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 these, these drops to me. Is it, is it a continuous canyon or is it a series of like, of hills that are baked into the city? I think something sort of slightly sheer. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering how they use that vertical space. Because you could certainly say like, all right, we're going to build on the flat ground on either side of the canyon. But you could imagine building or caves or, or structures down the sides of it. And I think that it probably sort of blending this in, maybe this goes between the the two hills. Mm-hmm. I think that I like that there are very luxurious houses that are built into this into this cliff fall. And it's called it's called the cliff fall. There's these lovely, like they're very, very California, like cliffside mansions, a little bit like the house that Bojack Horseman lives in, of like it's that cliffside house that looks out and it's baked into these into this cliff fall specifically. It is it is the worst possible iteration on what you said that is so full of like potential and like a possibility is that like into the side into the interior of this cliff like there is a cave that is an elaborate it is one of uh one of the nation's first what would be known as a shopping mall 
But it's like, it's just like, it's one of those terrible hotel shopping centers where you have like the luxury hotel and then you have like the stores at the bottom of it mm-hmm. has been built into the cliff behind where these houses live so that they can, they can mingle among their, their, their beautiful like shop, like boutique shopping experience. I love this. And I love this kind of like, we've got the wealth and the power and we have tamed gravity and engineering in order to build into this canyon, you know, no one but a you know railroad baron or whatever could be able to afford such extravagances of steel and engineering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by virtue of living in the cliff fall, we 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 dine like kings. We have beautiful tailors making our clothes. Like like we have cultivated the experience that like this is the li- this is the the lap of luxury. Sweet. Okay, Steph, you get the next card. Ooh, you draw for me. I will. And that is a six. So your prompt is, which area is the economic heart of the city? Ooh, so the canyon, which does not have a body of water coming through it anymore, leads down to the Cormorant River. And the Cormorant River has its own waterfall at the north end of the city, and it connects to a bay to the south. Okay. That means that Olympia, which grew very fast, had two different economic engines. One is grain milling at the waterfall, and the other is rail to river and shipping connections at the bay. And the cities grew toward each other before the Golden Age began until they became one city that renamed itself Olympia and merged its city governments. All right. So I'm trying to picture, so the Cormorant River, is that going to be in the canyon? Imagine the lowercase letter Y. Okay, I'm imagining it. The Cormorant River is the long part of the letter Y, and the canyon is the short part. Got it. All right. That also means when there's a heavy rain or watery weather event, the canyon can flood. Yes. Maybe you need some heroes to deal with that. We'll find out. All right, I get the last card for this setup piece. That is a king. What is the most well-known local delicacy, and where can you find the best place that serves it? I'm so glad that we get to talk about food. I don't think you understand how excited I am to talk about local food. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. I want to do the where, but I want to, I want to ask for help on the what. And the where of it is I want this to be somewhat illicit. Perhaps I want there to be literal holes in the wall places in the canyon where you have to go. And it's like word of mouth and maybe a little bit of a speakeasy vibe. But let's say, you know, the best place for this is, we'll call it Emma's. But I don't know what they serve there. And you can get it everywhere. But like, if you ask most people, Emma's is the best. Are you asking for help? I'm asking for help on the actual food stuff itself. I was going to throw something out just based on what I had for dinner last night and also a food item that I think about a lot and that is uh, extremely close to my heart. I think it is a I, I would like to propose that it is uh it is the patty melt because it is a, a uniquely a uniquely uh working class. It is a uniquely uh like northeastern American dish. You get some toasted bread, you get some hamburgers, you get some grilled onions. I think that that that, that Olympia is famous. It's it's local cuisine. Nobody does a patty melt quite like Olympia. And there's there's a lot of opinions on it. And I think that the thing that Emma's does differently is Emma's um Emma's is specifically like I'm thinking that it is very specifically like a a Italian patty melt and the 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 hamburger patties are made in the style of Italian meatballs so you get the pork is mixed in there mm-hmm. so you get that much different like flavor profile to your sandwich than you would if you just went straight hamburger. You can stop me at any point if I get too into the logistics of <laughs> local patty melt culture. <laughs> this sounds delicious. Do we want to tweak it to make it non-realist or are we happy with patty melts? I feel like Emma's, I feel like there's something, is there a special type of coal? This to me sort of reminds me a little bit of say like, oh, New York bagels, right? It's because it's something in the water and you know that kind of thing. I wonder if in the canyon, in the rocks, in that sort of thing, are they, when they're grilling up these patty melts, is there something different about the the charcoal or whatever sort of the fuel that they have at this place? And it could be slightly non-realist. Can I throw you uh, an op? Can I throw you a, a thought? Yeah. 
if it is literally the place that you go for these patty melts are these holes in the wall if what if there is and i don't know what it is and i'll throw and i i will i will see if the two of you have an idea what if it is literally something where if you make this dish or you make a dish or, or very like you do something it is tied to making something inside of the cave itself like it is like inside of this canyon something about the location imbues a sense like imbues an otherworldly quality to the things that are the things that are crafted in that space for whatever reason that is yes there is it it's kind of like brick oven stuff Mm -hmm. uh the rock that is in the canyon outgas is something that gives the patty melts their special flavor so far, turn of the 20th century chemists have not been able to isolate and describe whatever the molecule is. And it it's not clear whether it's basic organic food chemistry or magic, but there's something that's coming out of that rock wall that you can't duplicate outside the city. And Emma's just, it's in the right cave. Yeah, and Emma's not speaking. And I love the implication that like it applies to any food that is made there, but uh, but patty melts become famous because Emma <laughs> Emma's just like I make patty melts. Yeah, this is the thing that I make. Yeah, it's like you could have a magic pizza, but like Emma's like I make patty melts. What? What? Yes, I don't think you're understanding the nature of my business. <laughs> is Emma human? Oh, we might find out. Mm. Okay, so that is the. The precursor, we've created hopefully some kind of evocative elements here of Olympia. And now we're going to introduce some residents. And the way that this works is that we're going to go around once in turn order and choose one of the cards that we discarded to put back on top of the deck. And the rank of that card has a suggested sort of type of resident that's uh, that's listed out. And you don't have to be on that 100%, but it's a good prompt if you'd like it. Jeff, uh, again, you're you're up next. So who would you like to add to this city? Let me look at my prompts here. So we have a two, a seven, an ace, a nine, a six, and a king for anyone following along at home with their PDF. You know what? I am gonna I am gonna sit with the question that was just asked because I really want to get to know, I want to get to know them. And I am gonna throw this king back on the top of the deck which is someone just trying to make ends meet or content with what they have. And I want to get into the question, is Emma human or what is going on? What is going on with Emma? Because I think that the detail that I want to throw in is like from the earliest days of Olympia as a as a city, Emma's been there. Like Emma, Emma is Emma as a person is an institution, right? Like Emma has been a part of the city for as long as it has been a city. What is is going on? And I want to throw this to the both of you. Like, what is going on with Emma? I think that the detail that like there is there is a a a non natural element to the fact that Emma seems unnaturally long lived at the very least has just been a part of the city for so so long. Did you just ask us to explain the mystery behind Emma? Like already, is that how this game works? Yeah. Let's get into it. Should I? Yeah, if you like. I, I I note that there is sort of already a potential fake connection with the uh, school of design that you mentioned earlier, but uh, there are other reasons that she could be so long lived. Okay, Emma is from the Fey realm. She is Fey. She discovered centuries ago that she preferred the company of humans to the company of other Fey, and one of the things that she loves about humans is that she can feed them. She has been trying to figure out for centuries how to prepare food that will be delicious to humans, that will minimize the amount of fey addictive, like now you have to come back for it, properties. Mm -hmm. It's not clear whether she's gotten it right, but certainly the food is delicious and she has been making it using the culturally appropriate resources available for the people who live in this space. In this cave, which has, it's especially close to one of the Fey gateways. And she's been there for a while. And of course, she can't explain any of this because 
not only does she not want to, but there's a there's a geese. She wouldn't be able to stay there and make the food if she explained to humans what's going on. What what I love about this is that what you have set up is that we think of like, right, the fey food, the glamour, the like, okay, if you eat in the fey realm, you have to say kind of thing and all extravagant and, and, and magical and that. And that the complete antithesis of that is a patty melt and it's perfect. Yeah. Now, we don't know that the patty melt doesn't have fey properties, especially if you eat a lot of them, but certainly those properties have been ameliorated or watered down is the wrong word, sharply reduced so as to make them in theory safe to eat. But, you know, if you've eaten a lot of them, you might grow wings. You might find that it's very hard to leave the city. You might burrow into solid rock in search of the fey realm. Who knows what's going to happen? They're delicious. There's two things about Emma and her relationship to the city that I think are very, very compelling to me. One is I is through a bit of magic that Emma like put into place or where first when she she arrived and set up and set up Emma's patty melts. No one asks the question. I think that it is an important detail that like Emma has been in this town and has been serving has been running this restaurant for for, for decades, maybe centuries, like however long since the formation of this community, Emma has had a, a food cart or a common house or like a, a place to serve food. And no one has like no one for whatever reason. And because of a little bit of magical interference has put together the, hey, should we ask about how old Emma is? <laughs> and the other half of that is uh, the unintended consequence of that magic, because magic has unintended consequences is that it in, in turns in turn Olympia into a community where people don't necessarily ask that, ask the question, which is to say, like, Ooh. if a weird fucking thing happens, this is a community where people kind of look at that and go, yeah, OK. I want to yes and that a little bit, please, which is that if this is on the North American continent, there have been people here before there were people here speaking English or French or Spanish or German or Dutch or whatever. And when the Euro colonial version of town building got here. It was relatively like unwarlike. And the people who were already here, the people who were in Olympia in 1600, 1700, 1750, before English speakers showed up, knew that Emma was not one of them. She's not indigenous. She just was already there making delicious food. There is no human group to which she clearly belongs. Mm -hmm. And she was already acknowledged as kind of living there. I love that. I really, really love that. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. So good. Okay, uh, let's get our next resident. Steph, if you want to pick one of these cards, we can put it back on the pile. Which one is the nine again? A local politician or prominent community leader? Yes. Uh, the ace is an up-and-coming hero or villain. Let's go with the ace. All right, an up-and-coming hero or villain in Olympia, 1900-ish. Okay, this is a tech-based hero, and she's known only as Alice. She won't give her last name. She will give her history, which is that she was trained by Thomas Edison, but realized that he was no fun to work for and was basically a patent troll, and took the tech thing she learned in his workshop and moved away far enough away that he wouldn't come after her with his lawyers. And she has decided to build gadgets that will help her learn her new city and, you know, maybe keep people safe. She has far-seeing glasses. Mm -hmm. It's basically a telescope. She has an irradiator, which can heat objects from a distance. And she has velocipede boots, which are basically roller skates, but that word has not been invented. They have metal wheels and they allow her to go very, very fast, especially along flat terrain. I think her hero name is Velocipede. All right. Love it. Love it. I'm going to spell that two different incorrect ways on our sheet. Uh, would you like me to spell it for you? Uh, yeah, you know, if you want to just clean that up while I uh, take my turn here. So let's see, looking over these. Okay. Let's let's do this. I'm going to take the seven, which is a refugee or infiltrator from another world or timeline. And I want to set up a little conflict here right at the top. I want I want someone from Faye 
to becoming looking for Emma. And I think that this this is, I was looking for sort of an explanation for like why she's now maybe harder to find. It's a little more word of mouth than perhaps maybe before she had more like a tavern and a big public presence. But like, if she's more like in the caves, you got to know people who know people to get to Emma's. I think it's because someone is looking for her from the Fey realms. Yes. And let's just, I think just like a good old, um... I think gooseberry. Ooh. Gooseberry's great. Gooseberry's good. Now I'm so hungry between the patty melts and the gooseberry. Gooseberry is absolutely full of vengeance, spite, and violence. So don't let their name fool you. They can be sour and bitter. All right. And yeah, so they then pronouns on gooseberry and Emma and Alice are she, her. Okay. So those are sort of our three starting folks. And I love the uh, this mechanism, just like, it's like this pandemic mechanism, I think is is the sort of the way to describe it, where we've taken cards that we're interested in and put them back on top of the deck, which means we are very likely to draw them again as we set up the first age. We should add, this is a reference to pandemic, the board game, not pandemic, the real life event. Oh yeah, exactly. All right. So I'm going to split the deck and... Take the top half and shuffle this. I just realized that the mechanism for this game means at some point we might get a new 52. No? No yeah. one likes that joke. Yeah. I, I was sitting, I was sitting in glowing appreciation. I I'm I love it a lot, is the thing. Ah. All right. So we are now going to start the golden age of Olympia. And we're going to go in rounds. And uh, Jeff, again, you as our guest are going to start the first round. So you get to draw a card and that's going to be the event. And the suit of the event is going to kind of tell us the scope and the rank is going to tell us who's involved, either a resident that we've already named or a new one that we'll create. We have the Jack of Spades. Spades is a state nation, is a state or a nation sized event. And I am sitting with this. I'm trying to decide what is the what is the thing that we want. What is the the big erupting news? It's the turn of the century. I think that I want to use this event, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make it Olympia specific, but tie it into I think a a national level event that is happening on a historical level. Um, I think that this is this is like an experimental railroad has been has been opened in olympia or like is is running through olympia or like uh the track is running through olympia and uh, this is this is a this is a major event in the the history of of the city it is you know the railroad of the future circa 1900 but uh, uh olympia is at this moment officially a rail city Excellent. So we're going to need a, a resident to go with the Jack. And the prompt is a youngster full of dreams or antipathy. So you can take that or or come up with someone else that, who can be our, our Jack. Uh, let's pull on this. Let's pull on this youngster full of dreams and say, um, do we want them to be a hero or a villain? What's more, what's more exciting in this moment? What are the two, which, 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 which one of the two options is more appealing to the two of you at this moment? How about someone who could be both, depending on what side of the bed you yourself woke up on? That feels good. That feels good. So this is uh, GTR. GTR is uh, his name. He, his pronouns. GTR is short for the Great Train Robbery. <laughs> he is with the invention of the railroad comes the invention of the railroad bandit right and i think um tale as old as time tale as old when you when you invent the railroad you invent the railroad bandit and i think gtr inspired by the burgeoning like birth of of cinema fancies himself a great master thief and using um some experimental technology which is like a free-flowing rail car that sort of appears and disappears. Ooh. A little bit of fey magic baked into it. A little bit of ghost train aesthetic. Rides the rails, robs other trains, but is not necessarily, and is, is, is young, idealistic, has concocted this piece of technology. Probably a peer of Alice, right? Like a fellow, fellow engineers. And is a little bit of both because is a a robber and is doing it for money and will take the money and possessions of whoever is on the train that he is robbing 
but has set out with this to get back at the wealthy and rich that are living in the cliff fall, right? Like the best of ambitions, but if the ghost train runs alongside like a working class train that is dropping off people to a work site, well, that happens to be the job that I ran that day. Like isn't isn't discerning enough to be a fully to be fully a Robin Hood hero, yeah. but it, but set out with the goal of I'm going to stick it to the rich and wealthy. A little bit of a uh... Why do you rob banks? That's where the money is kind of thing around that. Yeah. To to be fair, if you ra- if you take a random sample of money on trains, most of the money that you'll be taking does come from rich people just. And so and I think that's his that's his justification and then if you get if if if, they, if he's like, well, you know, on average I'm hitting the rich people. <laughs> yeah. If I occasionally don't. Eh, you don't you don't make an omelet, right? <laughs> I love I love that. Just like playing the odds. I'm a good guy here. Yes. All right, Steph, so we're going to each get a card to kind of add to this event. And so you got the two of hearts. And this is does not match the suit or the rank of our Jack of Spades event. So this is a parallel. And the prompt here for you is to have something linked with a two-rank resident that doesn't necessarily directly interact with the current event, but is thematically resonant or contrasting with either GTR or the the new experimental railroad. Ooh. And the prompt for rank two, if you would like it. I would. A veteran hero or villain's protege, child or successor. So again, non-intersecting, but parallel. Mm. The experimental railroad that goes fast and has, you know, local branches so people ride to work on it. If it's 1900, that's not the first rail link that the city has had. Okay. The city got connected to rail in the 1860s and 70s. That's the bay part of it. And at that time, one of the trains that was just kind of parked waiting for grain delivery at the station in South Olympia became sentient. Hmm. And became the great train hero of that of that age and was known simply as as Darren because this train just decided to take a a human name and did its best to keep the rails safe and prevent prevent stoppages Darren has retired mm-hmm. and with some very mysterious assistance Darren has constructed a somewhat more human-appearing successor. And Darren's successor is named Ryan. They started with Rail Anne to make their rail heritage clear, but people just said Ryan, so they went with it. And they have a train car form and a almost human kind of tin man from the Wizard of Oz form. Mm-hmm. And their goal is to keep Olympia technologically forward-looking, safe, and pleasant for everyone with a focus on transport. They are not quite sure how to do it and are still learning that human beings are not always sweet to one another and wish that Darren had more time to train them. But Mm. they really want to do good and they really want to protect the rail system and keep things moving. They are as yet completely unaware of GTR's existence. They have met Alice once. Is that is that the kind of parallel that we want from these stories? That feels good. That feels great. Yeah, I think that's good. I think we have a person interacting with trains and then the parallel of trains interacting with people. It's It, it works lovely for me. Can I throw out two little things? Please. That have spurred my imagination off of uh, Ryan and Darren. One is I was thinking about what makes this train experimental? And I have a pitch that is extremely Olympia specific uh, and also kind of wild. Vertical train, vertical train, yeah. vertical train. Yes, this is a this is a train that like what makes it experimental is that they they figure is that it it can run up the cliff, it can run you know sides by it can do angled like it's not it's not limited to a train is upright going in a straight line. It became I think while Olympia was connected to train lines. It was very limited in like where the train could get to, right? Because you have this canyon, because you have this river. It's very limited in what the train, in what trains could get 
to Olympia and where they could get within the within the town. Mm-hmm. Now with this experimental train, it's like, well, we can run a train right up the right up the cliff fall. We've got some we've got some grav tech that can some gravity defying technology that can run up the cliff fall. It can run, you know, from one side of the canyon to the other. Like this is this is a full Willy Wonka ass train that can go in any <laughs> single direction. And I think that like that is what makes it experimental. The other thing that I want to throw out is much smaller and much sweeter slash sappier. Okay. Darren, do we give pronouns for Darren? Darren's pronouns are he, him. He, him. Darren in his retirement is a train museum. Yes. He is a, there is a train museum that is Darren the train car. Like you go there and it is a narrated tour because it is literally Darren just like talking to you as you walk through this train car and you look at these things and going, well, see, now that's my engine. And the way that that works is very, very interesting. <laughs> and like, is just a small community train museum that was this former hero that protected the city and now just like talks to people about the history of trains. <laughs> I love this. Yes. Okay. So I get a card now. And let's see what we get out of this one. So I got a four of hearts. And this again does not match. So I'm putting out another parallel to GTR and the experimental railroad. Now, four is also a rank that we haven't seen, and it is a tormented anti-hero or anti-villain. As opposed to GTR, who is an anti-hero, but profoundly untormented. <laughs> yeah, he's living his best Just, you know life. What? Everything's great for GTR. The inventor of vertical train robberies. <laughs> VTR. So when I'm thinking, you know, again, turn of the century and talking about trains, that we've got a lot of sort of advancing technology. Again, that is that is sort of this this age in, a, in at least popular cultural mythology, and so I want someone who is tormented by that specifically. I think that as we're seeing people like Alice, who have this technology stuff, or GTR, who have developed this way of making a this that kind of like ghost train type of thing, I want like a pre-technology sort of. I think anti-hero. I think it's there's kind of like a kids these days with their whiz bang steam and possibly atomic energy stuff. That's not the good old way that we used to do heroing. And I'm trying to think of like what what their old way is. And magic is a possibility, but I, I wanna kind of put it out to the two of you if you have another like alternate thing other than technology for sort of the basis. I mean, it could just be like good old fashioned athletics, you know, training at the gym. Are are you asking, are you asking for suggestions? Yeah, it's a, it's an open question here for, um, for my hero. I've got two, but I'm going to let Jeff go first. I was looking at the list of elements and I think like, like magic is appealing, but what if it is magic that is taught? Like we have said that there is rumors of, of magic from the art that is developed at sand. And what if like, this is, what if it is, it is the old way of like that magic and that art that used to have a, 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 an eldritch power to it that can be, that, that can be utilized is the thought that I have. But Stephanie, I want to hear your thoughts. So two things that are very popular in 1890 and becoming less so like by 1920 or potentially less so are people giving lectures to packed halls, just the lecture circuit as a form of public entertainment (laughs) and baseball. And we could have someone who makes a very comfortable living and gets famous, who's maybe connected to sand, giving giant public lectures about like how to be cultured and appreciate art who's just been you know making money on the lecture circuit and and lives in olympia honestly you had me at baseball and i really just you know again just it's it's hitting people with a baseball bat is just solid imagery it it just pops off of the panel then let's go with that yeah and so i think that there is the I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a new Arcadia a callback in this one. We're gonna go with the warehouseman is his name. Okay, and he does part time baseball. He's got a bat that he has been engraving with some of these symbols and maybe some of the face stuff. So it's it's a it's a somewhat magical bat, and that magic is coming from designs and things that he has sort of wood burned into it. And he's sort of a, you know, a vigilante hero. 
or again, anti-hero. More violence, again, baseball bats, not gentle, but mostly non-lethal, I would say. Mm -hmm. So I think that is the parallel that I'm doing here of someone who is sort of extra bitter now by uh, the increase in technology. Okay. So as I fill him in, Jeff, you get to draw a card for the aftermath, calling back to, again, our original inciting event here of the Vertical Railroad in GTR. Uh, So why don't you grab a card on this one? All right. The card I've drawn is the Two of Clubs. So that has matched the color of the event. And so we get an exceedingly positive outcome. Exceedingly positive. Okay, here's my exceedingly positive thinking about thinking about the the events that have taken shape here. And 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 this also leaves us a very very juicy hook that we can that we can really like explore the reactions to the aftermath because I think this is going to set up a very very compelling conflict. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are happening here simultaneously, right? Like we have this experimental rail line that has opened up sections of the town that have previously not been accessible and have given people access to jobs and sections of the community that that were not there before. This is this is going to have a profound impact on like the working class, lower class and poorer sections of the town. Of like the city of Olympia that has a remarkable ability like people suddenly have the ability to get to work and to connect and to to go to baseball games and like they have this ability that 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 quality of life is improved what meanwhile playing the averages even if the occasional train car full of full of working class folks on their way to work gets hit. You have GTR robbing robbing rich people silly with his ghost train. You have Alice uh, protecting people. I think that the end result here is that this this train line is a remarkably empowering thing to the lower classes of Olympia. It creates a real a real sense of like like community. It it creates a sense of like well you're only you're only a quick train ride away. Like 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 the relationship between between neighborhoods is improved mm. and like there is a real um there's a sense of solidarity that comes from that right there is a sense and it find it economically and financially benefits a lot of people in the in the city which means that there is a far smaller gap between the haves and have nots in a way that is unmistakable to the haves and that the have nots are like oh well you're not so special in your fancy clifftop mansion like (laughs) we're all doing okay and we don't have to necessarily fear the rail barons and the and the factory magnates because we're all able to to live together and work together and hey isn't it for hey we kind of maybe don't have anything to lose other than our chains and it's a little bit of like uh hey maybe we're all in this together that's excellent Mm -hmm. and i I like the way that the the wealthy here are being sort of squeezed from two sides. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, we've got the the rise in classes and sort of more prosperity there. And on the other hand, a lot of their stuff is getting stolen, and so they have less. Okay, so that is the end of this round. So, Steph, you get to start the next round. Let's get you an event here. So this is a seven, which we have put in with Gooseberry. And it's a heart, which means that this event is of a personal scope. A personal event for Gooseberry. Yeah. Our Fey Realm pursuer, who is after Emma, but has not yet managed to track her down, apprehend her, or prove she's done anything wrong. Is that right? Correct. Okay. So... Do I, am I allowed to create new characters for this or do I need to use existing characters according to the rules as written? Um, I think that, yeah, you could sort of minorly create characters. We wouldn't have a rank for them, so they wouldn't necessarily recur Mm -hmm. via the mechanisms, Mm -hmm. but you could also leave it open as -hmm. far as like the target of of this. And then if uh, Jeff or I draws a card with a rank that might fill in and sort of, um, you know, tell us kind of who the object is. Okay. Gooseberry has suspected Gooseberry is living undercover in Oh okay I've got it. Gooseberry has been living undercover in Olympia because they know that it's Emma. Everyone knows that Emma makes the best patty melt and no one can say why. And if you understand fame magic, you understand that this is a fake culinary effect. But according to the rules of the Sealy Court, 
Gooseberry can't just march in and drag Emma away or demagic her or anything like that. Gooseberry has to be able to prove it. And so they've been living as I think they're I think they're a lawyer. I think they have a fabricated human background. And if if Faye are good at any human non-magical skills, it's like churning arguments against their users. I think Gooseberry has is a mildly successful Olympia lawyer, you know, resolving commercial disputes and things like that. And their their human name is Gus. And an opposing law firm in a real estate case has discovered some very good evidence that Gus is not who they seem. They might not even be human. They might not even have a law degree. <laughs> the greater crime. What does Gooseberry do? Okay, let's let's find out and see as more cards uh, maybe tell us. I am drawing a four of diamonds, which is a parallel and not matching this event. Now, four is the warehouseman again. And if I want to make a parallel here, I, I can also sort of bring, I, I don't know how, whether the scopes are necessarily locked in here, but Diamonds is a worldwide or interplanetary event. So let's see, our event is about Gooseberry getting found out. I would say then that the warehouseman's secret identity is also in jeopardy, that he has been masked vigilanteing. And I think that perhaps the the wealthy of this city are are feeling feeling victimized as they tend to be but especially by GTR i think that there is is maybe a overall like these cape heroes of the working class are a threat we need to unmask them and figure out who they are so that's that's what i would put out for a parallel here for the warehouseman jeff do you want to draw a card to add to this event yes i do i have drawn the king of clubs which is a parallel. King is tied to Emma. Yeah. And that is a parallel event. A parallel event with the life of Emma tied to people figuring out Gooseberry's identity, tied to the ousting of the warehouseman. I think that a parallel event in the life of Emma... And I'm looking, this is a neighborhood scale event for, for how it impacts it. I think that, I think the parallel event is that like things are going great for Emma. And like, I think that the event is that like, we see a thing that is, we see a thing, we see like a notable event, especially for, you know, 1900, like early 20th century. We see Emma embarking on a very notable practice, Emma's franchising. I think that I think that I think that Emma has has written a cookbook, like written a corporate cookbook that includes some like very unusual steps. They're steps that maybe imbue just a little smidgen of that fae magic, even if you don't fully understand what you're doing. But I think that there are now there are now Emma's patty melts popping up around the city of Olympia and they make patty melts that are just a little bit irresistible. And I think that being in the early 1900s, this is a, a very early, a very early, early franchised restaurant. And I think it is very small scale and it is imbued with that little bit of what makes her her food so magical. But like as this is all unfolding and I think that kind of it is running parallel, but I think that it, it's we're starting to see that that change in how she is uh, approaching her her business. I love that. And I kind of like one of the things that it sort of brings to mind for me is kind of like the Fay illusions like, oh, there's four copies of me, which is the real one. So, yes. you know, it's like, oh, there are all these franchises, which is the one that Emma is actually at Gooseberry you can't figure it out. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's next level. All right, Steph, you get to bring this event home with the aftermath. Okay. And it is matching the color. So things are exceedingly positive. And there is an open question. Are they exceedingly positive from Gooseberry's perspective? I don't know. I think that's up, up to you to decide. They are. They are. So what has happened... In the aftermath of the accusation, we're going to need to bring in a new character to make this work. And 
Can I bring in a new character who I want to see again, or should this be someone who's completely disposable? Well, let's see. So Ace, we have locked in as Alice, actually. So I don't know if, if you want to bring Alice in on this. I want to bring in a, non, a non-powered character. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. I think they, 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 again, they won't have a rank, but. So their opponent, Gooseberry's opponent in a, a big landlord-tenant case that had to do with the rights of landlords and renters in Olympia. Gooseberry is, is someone who is really into the rule of law, and they're generally on the landlord's side. And so their opponent is a lawyer who's moved east from Milwaukee, and his name is Uriah Jonathan Waters. He's known as uh, Dubs or U. John Dubs. And he's become known as a kind of, you know, someone who campaigns on behalf of people who need help. And he realized that he was going to lose this, this big case about renters and decided to try to unmask Gus as a fake, someone who's not from where he says he's from. So they say they're from someone who they, they don't have the law degree they say they have. It backfired. Using a combination of fame, magic, and research skills, Gus was able to prove that they really had their law degree. They really were from middle-class origins in, in Buffalo. They are absolutely upright. And got that reputation as an upright figure who'd been unfairly maligned by working class activists and as a champion of the middle class and business and doing things upright into a victory in the next election for mayor of Olympia. So Gooseberry, a fae who's been moved to Olympia to pursue Emma and bring her to justice, has now found themselves mayor. And boy, do they have access to information. Oh wow. <laughs> and and that's happening just as that's happening just as Emma is becoming like a business like not just not just a presence in the community, but like is spreading across the community. Like that's a that's a hell of a conflict of like <laughs> I am looking to prove that you are human, but also like the mayor is going after is going after the restaurant magnate that owned that has restaurants across the town. That's that's sick. That's great. I, I also realize, I just need to point this out before our listeners do, because I'm from D.C. and so are maybe a few of them, that without at all intending to, uh, I've just created an extremely suspect and self-serving Mayor Barry for Olympia. <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> all right. So let's discard these cards. And I get the next event. And this is King of Hearts. So this is an event that is going to be personal to Emma. So she's got franchises, but I don't know if she knows that Gooseberry is out to get her. That is an open question. Can I can I give a a, a thought? Yeah, please, please. This is this is the if we're if we're throwing gasoline on this fire, this is the coldest possible response that you can give. Oh, please, please. Gooseberry's not worth her time. <sighs> <laughs> Some two-bit, some two-bit detective has been sniffing at my heels just because, just because they won an election doesn't mean that I need to give them any more of my, t- like, they, like, like, <laughs> it is, it is that, it is that I don't think it's that she didn't know about Gooseberry. It's that I, I think it was, yeah, okay, do something about it. <laughs> that is, that is lovely. Okay. So for a personal thing. Am I correct in thinking that the golden age continues until someone draws a joker and that the jokers have been shuffled back into the pack? Yeah. Okay. I think we'll probably end up going roughly around twice or, or, or a little more. So personal event for Emma. And what has come to mind for me is when you get franchising happening, you get these rapid expansion of places. I remember when Krispy Kreme started opening up stores everywhere, the cost of that was as the brand grew and they had to sort of make these other accommodations, they lost some of kind of that magic that the original stores had. And unfortunately for Emma, that is becoming literal, that in her expansion, the magicness of that literal hole-in-the-wall place is starting to diminish or otherwise kind of get used up. And so that's that's what I'm going to put here as the start of this event. Yeah. Steph, you get to add a, let's see, a parallel uh, as the Ace of Diamonds has neither matching suit or rank. And Ace is Alice. Alice, yes. Okay. So Alice is experiencing increased demand for her 
civilian identity, non-superhero services, as there's more and more household gadgets in the houses of the rich and making life better for everyone, municipal gadgets and industrial machines, automated weaving and textile manufacturing and a newfangled water purifier system, which she was called in to consult on to create clean drinking water for the people of Olympia drawn from the river upstream of the falls. She's really busy. She is so busy that it is affecting her identity as Velocipede. She's realizing that she's sometimes just too tired in the evening to go out patrolling or to respond to telegraph-based distress calls, which she sometimes receives. She's oversleeping. She's agreed to be in five different places in the course of a day and has had to use her Velocipede identity to get from place to place to honor all of her commitments as Alice the Tech Wonderkind. Mm -hmm. Wonderkind Inc. is the name of, of the business of, you know, repair and invention that she set up. And she's just exhausted. And I won't say there's a crime wave, but people of the city are starting to think maybe Velocipede is not who she used to be and isn't really taking care of them and keeping them physically safe the way that she did a few years ago. Oh, dang. Can I immediately throw out just an, uh, a semi-related a semi-related thing. Yeah. Things are going great for GTR, everybody. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Life on top of the world. We are living the dr- like if this were if this were a mob movie, GTR is in the midst of that montage of like, you know, the money you we get the shot of the money press, like throw like we <laughs> like sorting money. Like that's where GTR is at. Things are just going great. My wax wings are steady. I am flying. I'm going to hit the sun in no time. There's going to be no <laughs> problems with this journey. So, Jeff, why don't you draw a card to add into this event, and we'll see who comes up. All right, I will. Oh, no. I've drawn the three of hearts. Now, the hearts, now that matches the suit. Yeah. Which means that this is an entanglement. We're going to introduce a resident associated with the cards rank that becomes entangled in the original event, which is the loss of magic, which is Emma losing magic as, as, as her business expands. And a three, what is the prompt for three? Three is an established hero or villain. Ooh. An established hero or villain, and this is someone, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm visualizing villain here in in a specific context of this is a person. Actually, you know what? The more I, as I was starting to say it, the more I realized that this, I don't even need to clarify because I'm realizing that this person is also just kind of a scummy person, and so a pretty natural villain that ties into the last round of events that happen. This is a he, his pronouns, himself behind a mask. He is a masked, quote unquote, detective who made it his mission to expose other masked vigilantes. I think he is the person who who leaked the warehouseman's identity. Oh, no. His name is Oust. Oust is his name. Oust is a masked detective who has made it his mission to expose masked vigilantes, supposedly in the name of public good, but in the in the vein of, like, I think in a very kind of Pinkerton-esque vein, did so at the behest of corporate powers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, did so at the behest of is working for the wealthy and powerful and, like, taking on contracts to essentially bring down people that they find, which is why the warehouseman was kind of, like, suspect was, like, we don't trust, we don't trust, uh, we don't trust a working class person with a bat. (laughs) We should probably deal with that. So this raises an immediate question that has to do with superhero banter. Has this masked detective had a physical fight with the warehouseman yet? Oh, I think so. I think definitely. When that happened, did the warehouseman swing at him once he recognized the mask detective and say, you're oust? That's great. That's great. Of course it did. Of course it did. That's great. That has to have happened. Pure canon. 100%. So entangled in the event, if you are still trying to prove that Emma is of the fake, if you are, if you are still tasked with proving that Emma is of the fake court and you need that proof, 
And this is some, and there is a masked detective openly bragging about, like, I am bringing down all of the city's masked vigilantes. Yes. Of course you're going to bring them in. And and so the visual that we get is full, you know, Rorschach from Watchmen. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, we get full conspiracy board, walls of things as Oust is, like, setting out to prove that Emma is not who she says she is. Yeah, and I, I think that we see probably also on the on the desk there a sheet of paper with the mayor's letterhead yeah on top yes and 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 what's what's interesting about being entangled in this is suddenly it's a lot harder to prove that because there's suddenly a little bit less magic in her in her recipes <laughs> so like oust is getting flustered Ooh. i think oust is like the things that would have been proof before are no longer on the table which makes this like the case of all cases to prove oh wow okay all right so i get to take it home with a aftermath and oh my goodness so i drew a four of clubs and this does not match the color of the suit or of any complications. So this ends badly. It ends badly for Emma. I think that she needs to flee the city. I think that with, with the magic running out and she's getting more and more desperate and that desperation is raising her profile. You know, she's up on one of those hills near the design school, like checking out ley lines and stuff. And I think that she oust probably confronts her and she realizes that the gig is just about up. And so she hops the next vertical train and gets the heck out of Olympia. Dang. All right, we'll leave it there for this week. Come back next week for more with Gooseberry, Emma, Velocipede, the Warehouseman, Darren, the sentient train car, and of course, GTR. We'll have a few more events and then end with the crisis that's going to change the city of Olympia for a generation. This run, we've been playing A City of Shining Stars by Aaron Lim. You can find more of his games on his Itch page. Check the show notes for the URL. Team Up Moves is a production of Fiona Hopkins and Stephanie Burt, copyright 2023. You can find us on Twitter and Mastodon. We are at Team Up Moves and at Team Up Moves at Dice.camp, respectively. Fiona and Stephanie are also on the socials as well. Check the show notes for all the handles. Our website is TeamUpMoves.com. There you can find links to all of our previous runs, as well as sign up for our free email newsletter. We send this out about once a month between runs to let you know what we're up to, what other superhero media we're into. It's a good time. Get a little sneak peek behind the scenes of New Arcadia, all available at teamupmoves.com. Our theme music is Play by Sleepyhead. You can find more of their music at sleepyheadrockband.com. As always, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, tell a friend, leave a review on iTunes or Spotify, and just share the show around. We really appreciate anything you can do to spread the word. Take care, pals.